Hello, I'm Shane Hartsfield, pastor of Beaver Baptist Church. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. If you have any questions about what it means to follow Christ or questions about our church, direct you to our website, beaverbaptist.com, for our contact information. Weekly, we study exegetically through books of the Bible. And now, join us as we dive into today's passage. The scripture reading this morning come out of John chapter 4, verses 7 through 14. A woman from Samaria came to drink water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give them will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give them will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. We're turning your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 5. I had a roommate, a good friend of mine, live with me, and we were driving to Nashville, and he looked over and said, I'm hungry. And I'm in that stretch, you know, that we drive to Nashville. There's a stretch where there's like really not much, you know, no places to stop. There's not a lot of eating place. I said, hey, you know, the Dixon exit, it's just a ways on up, 30, 45 minutes. We'll, we'll eat when we get there. He says, no, I'm, I'm hungry now. And I'm kind of looking at him like, well, buddy, there's not a, lot of, not a lot I can do for you right here. And he says, no, I'm, I mean, really, we need to stop. And so I just, the next exit, I just whipped in and there was a gas station. He went in and got him some snacks and came back out and started eating, you know, ravenously. I'm like, didn't really know what was going on. And I uh, I thought it was a little ridiculous, and then he proceeded to tell me that his blood sugar, when it dropped below a certain level, it triggered migraines, and not like a, a headache, like a, a migraine, a debilitating, side-altering migraine that put him in bed the rest of the day and maybe the, the day after. So I kind of, okay, I, I get you. See, what was going on with him, he had these hunger pains. It told his body, it told him that something was lacking in his body. His body is lacking sugar, needing food, needing sugar. It's a natural craving, which his body told him was, was lacking. Well, today Jesus is going to teach us about hungering for spiritual things. But these things that Jesus is telling us we should hunger for, they're not natural. So let's look at Matthew chapter 5, verses uh, 1 through 6. We're walking through the greatest sermon ever preached by Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount. And I want to read for us. Let's read together Matthew 5, verse 1 through 6. We've been walking through this verse by verse. Starting in verse 1, Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. 
Let's pray. Father, we acknowledge that your word is true. It changes lives. It alters history. Through your word, you do miracles. And so we ask that you would open our eyes and ears to see, to hear, change our hearts today, lost and believer alike. May we be changed as we study your word. May we leave rejoicing today because you have spoken to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, those who see themselves as spiritual beggars, those who are broken and grieving over their sin, those who approach God and man with meekness and gentleness, those who are humble before the Lord, it leads to more progress. This humility in their life leads to more progress. And this humble saint, in verse 6, is desiring for righteousness. And as we talk about these beatitudes, these keys to the kingdom, these attitudes ought to be, they build, they progress, build upon one another. And in some sense... You have those who are poor in spirit, those who see themselves as spiritual beggars, those who see themselves as spiritually bankrupt, then they, that progresses and moves, then they see themselves, uh, then they mourn and grieve because they see themselves rightly. They mourn and grieve over their sin. This leads to a, a meekness towards God, which leads to a meekness towards other people. And in, in, in this sense, meekness is superior to mourning because it, it, it's preceded and it grows out of mourning. And so we have this hungering and thirsting for righteousness is superior to meekness and then it grows out of it. And this process, the progression is, so, is natural, is, is, is beautiful, but yet is also supernatural. It's a work of God. Someone doesn't have within themselves to be poor in spirit. The natural man doesn't mourn over his sin. A worldly, fleshly person isn't meek. The godless aren't hungering for righteousness. And remember, Jesus is talking about the blessed person, the person who's blessed, the person who's happy, but not simply happy, right? Because it's so subjective. It's more than just happy. The blessed person, he's teaching us who that person is, and every answer is contrary to world, the world's opinion. In verse 3, it's not the self-reliant, the self-sufficient who are blessed, but those who recognize their ineptness, the poor in spirit. It's not the one who is happy-go-lucky who are blessed, but the one who grieves over their sin. It's not the one who is aggressive and runs roughshod over others, but the one who abdicates their rights and live in meekness and gentleness that are indeed blessed. And the world would say, happy are the ones who hunger and thirst for pleasure, riches, success. They will be satisfied. But Jesus, he teaches us in verse 6, that those who hunger for righteousness are the ones who will be satisfied. The believer, the kingdom citizen who 
desires and longs for righteousness will be satisfied. I think the first thing I want to point out to you here about verse 6 is there is a desire there. He mentioned it's desire. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Blessed are those who desire for righteousness. And again, that's the work of the Lord. Fleshly people don't desire for righteousness. And we, we know in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, it says, For it is God who works in us both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And so when we desire the things of the Lord, we desire to, to, to be in worship today. I mean, we're here during this epidemic, but we are here because you want to be in worship. You want to sing true songs. You want to be taught truth. And you want to see other believers. The Lord gives us his desires, doesn't he? And, and having a desire, a thirst, or hunger, it denotes a lack of something. My buddy, his body, he was hungry. It was his body's way of telling him that his body lacked sugar. He needed calories. He needed food. These physical longings, desires, tells us there's a deficiency of some kind with us. And those who are blessed are those who realize that they lack righteousness and they long for it. So first of all, there's a desire. There's an understanding that we lack and there's desire for more. This spiritual riches, the road to spiritual riches and spiritual blessings begin when we, we say like the, the writer of Rock of Ages, the great hymn says, Not the labor of my hands can fulfill thy law's demands. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. You know, we lack. But we must desire, we must hunger and thirst for the right things. And there's many who admit there's something missing in their lives. There's a hole in their experience. And they're trying to fill it with all sorts of stuff. Perhaps they are seeking out relationships or success or adventure or money or temporal pleasure or travel, etc., etc. But Jesus is those are blessed when they desire and seek out the right thing, the thing that can satisfy, which is righteousness. So what do we mean by righteousness? What does this term mean? Well, we could say that desiring righteousness is to desire God himself, and I think that's true. In fact, Christ is called our righteousness in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. And because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God. Righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So Christ is our righteousness. He is righteousness. God is righteousness. So hunger and thirst for righteousness, hunger and thirst for God, that you may be satisfied. Yeah, that's, that's true. And that would line up with the psalmist as we sang Psalm 42, verse 1 and 2. As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. So I think that is right and that is good to say that righteousness is God. We, we should, and, and, and Jesus commands us and, and calls us to hunger and thirst for him. He is righteous. He is righteousness. And those who desire him will be satisfied. And, and others would say, well, this refers to a sinner's justification before God, of being declared righteous. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, 
speaking of Christ, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I mean, think about our, the human predicament. Adam and Eve, they were in the garden, and Adam was kicked out of the garden, forbidden to re-enter the garden. Why? Because he was sinful. Because God is righteous and man is not. So he can't have a relationship with a righteous, holy God. He's separate. And Adam being our federal head, we are like him in that we are sinners and we are separated too from a righteous God because we also are not righteous. Paul, he says that he had lost everything for the sake of Christ. But consider all the things he lost is garbage. Philippians chapter 3 verse 9. In order that he says, I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Those that are poor in spirit and broken over their sin, what do they do? This godly sorrow, this brokenness, what happens? The godly sorrow leads to repentance. We turn from sin, and what do we do? We trust Christ's work on the cross as our own. And there's a great exchange that takes place. Jesus takes away our sin debt, takes away our, our punishment, and, he, and, and that, that debt that we owe, and what does he do? He gives us Christ's righteousness, and we are declared righteous. So some say this, this is this, it's imputed righteousness, this alien righteousness that we're given upon repentance and faith in Christ. Some say, well, this righteousness in verse 6 is referring to that righteousness and, 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 and could be, but I believe Jesus is thinking of something different. And one thing we do when we're reading the Bible and you come to this word, and you do that often, and you may not even be conscious of it, but as you're reading like verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. You think, well, righteousness, that's kind of a... And in, in outside the church, that's a pretty obscure term. It's not something we use often. What does that mean? And so in your mind, you're th you know, as you read through that, you think, well, what does righteousness mean? Well, one exercise that's helpful, I think we, we should learn to do this, when we're trying to determine the meaning of a word, is we look at other uses of that word in the same book, in the same near context. So what Jesus is using this term, and he's preaching this Sermon on the Mount, well, Let's look in the rest of the sermon. How did Jesus use this term elsewhere? So chapter 5, just a few verses later, verse 10. Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then chapter 5, verse 20. He says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, chapter 6, verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. And then again, the same Sermon on the Mount, chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his what? Righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And so it seems like these other uses of the word righteousness here in the same context by Jesus seems to be a different righteousness than that imputed righteousness. And I think it's right to say those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, it, we're hungry and thirst for God. I think that's true. And it's true that we should hunger and thirst for 
that imputed righteousness to be declared righteous. And we do that, don't we? As we're poor in spirit. Hunter was poor in spirit. He saw himself as a spiritual beggar. He knew he couldn't help himself. He knew that he was destitute spiritually. And, and, and he saw his sin the way the Lord saw it. And he grieved over his sin. And that godly sorrow led to repentance. At that moment when he's grieved over his sin, what is, he do, what is he doing? He is longing, hungering for righteousness. I don't want to be sinful. I don't want to be rebellious. I don't want to be in rebellious, a rebellion against you, God. I don't want to be at enmity with you, God. I recognize I'm a sinner. I'm, I'm rebellious and I deserve your worst. I don't want to be in opposition to you anymore. I want to follow you. I want to be your child. I want to be forgiven. So at that moment, you're longing for that righteousness. But here, I think this is this righteousness is referring to something else. I think it's referring, as Ken Hughes says, it's referring to an inner righteousness that works itself out in one's living in conformity to God's will. In other words, righteous living, obeying the Lord. Being yielded to the Lord, wanting to obey Him. Yes, God is righteousness. Yes, we're, we're declared righteous by God upon conversion. But there's also a, a desire to live righteously, to live holy. It's a desire to be like Jesus. He's our exemplar, and we want to emulate him and be like him and love like him and talk like him and forgive like him and be gracious like him and be compassionate like him, be giving like him. That's what this is referring to, I believe. The, citizen, the, the kingdom citizen, that's who it's referring to. When Jesus is speaking here, speaking about those who have been poor in spirit, those who have mourned, those who are meek, they're kingdom citizens. The kingdom citizen, what he does, he sees his pride and he longs to obey the Lord by being humble. The kingdom citizen sees his lustful heart and he longs to be pure in heart. The citizen of the kingdom recognizes his tainted motives. When that's brought to his attention, what does he do? He wants to have integrity like Christ. The kingdom citizen identifies his vanity and immodest dress. And what happens? They desire to be modest. The kingdom citizen identifies his selfishness and self-centeredness and desires more than anything to obey the Lord by loving his neighbor as his self. We as kingdom citizens, we have a holy discontent with life itself and the desire to know God and to be like Him. To obey Him and to live in conformity to His will. Do you desire to please the Lord? Do we desire to please the Lord? Do we want to be like Him? Do we abhor sinful things? And do we desire to be holy and righteous and Please the Lord. A child of the king should hunger and thirst for righteousness. And what's the blessing? 
What's the blessing here? The, the blessing is that they shall be satisfied. And what was that old Rolling Stones song? You got it back there, Missy? That's a good song. You like that? Y'all got that in your head. You were singing that all day long, right? Yeah. It, it's funny. little side note here. Um, yeah, some of, the, some of these old classic songs, like, yeah, I really like that song. In fact, yesterday, Claire Beth, I handed her my phone. We're in, the, um, we're in the truck going somewhere, and I said, find us some good music. And she picked, she's a preacher's kid, you know, so preacher's kids, they're reverent and holy. She, pick, she picks out Joan Jett's I Love Rock and Roll. I'm like going, where'd that song come from? Um, but this song, the, the, the Rolling Stones, Mick Jagger, who knew he was a theologian, right? But he says, I can't get no satisfaction. I can't get no satisfaction. And I try, and I try, and I try. And I can't get no satisfaction, right? Okay. Mick Jagger, he's a, he's a uh, theologian there, isn't he? People are all seeking satisfaction in life, and guess what? They get no satisfaction. And why, why do they get no satisfaction? Because they're seeking after the wrong things. God has put, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, God has put eternity in the hearts of man. This has always been an obscure text for me. And he's made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in the heart, into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from beginning to end. We fill our lives with, with anything but Christ and it leads to dissatisfied lives. God made us to have a relationship with Him. And only knowing Him can satisfy our, can satisfy our souls. It's an itch. It's an itch that money, relationships, success, pleasure can't scratch. It's an itch that all of those things can't scratch. You ever had a cast on your leg or your arm or whatever and you can't, you got an itch and you can't get to it? Yeah, that, that'll drive you insane, won't it? Yeah, you experience it. Some of you get, I mean, even people get coat hangers, right? And doing all that. Yeah, you have, a, you, have a, you have an itch, you just can't scratch. That's what happens in every person's life that's ever been created. There's a, there's a void there. There's an, an emptiness there that only God can feel. We try to fill it with other things, and there's no satisfaction. And many people, they, they, they hunger and thirst, but they hunger and thirst after the blessing, and they seek after the blessing. But what does Jesus say? That kingdom citizens, we seek after righteousness, God himself, and pleasing God. And what happens? Their satisfaction comes. The world only offers up empty cups. And no one can know anything of the satisfaction that Jesus speaks of here but a believer. And that's what Jesus was telling the woman at the well. Morgan read the, our scripture text today. 
Jesus goes to Samaria and a woman comes to the well and Jesus speaks to her and she's a woman and she's a Samaritan and Jesus speaks to her and asks for a drink of water and they have this dialogue. And the, the, the Samaritan woman is talking about water and Jesus says, I'll give you water that you'll drink and you'll never thirst again. She's like, man, I want some of that. Coming to this well is laborious. It gets old. It's hard work. What's Jesus talking about? He's talking about spiritually, right? I'll give you water, some water that'll quench your spiritual thirst. You'll never thirst again. Speaking of what? Himself. Jesus, Blake made mention of John chapter 6. Jesus, I'm the bread of life. You want to be satisfied? Eat from the bread of life. Jesus wants to satisfy us. When I was 17 years old, I was driving home from football practice on Beaver Road, and I had the world by the tail, so to speak. I had everything in the world going for me. Whatever a 17, you could dream of a 17-year-old boy having, I had it. And I remember driving home, and I was right out of the city limits, and I know exactly where I was, and I exact emotion, but I, I thought to myself, there's got to be more to life than what I have. Not an odd statement, but for me at the time, with every, and I knew this is an odd statement. This is crazy. Why do I think this way? I got everything. God said eternity to the hearts of man. F trying to fill that hole with everything but the one thing that could satisfy me. I realized that I was spiritually bankrupt. I was grieved over my sin, November 25th of 1990. That godly sorrow led to repentance. God gave me Christ's righteousness, and I began to experience satisfaction with God. But here, verse 6, Jesus telling believers to continue to desire to hunger and thirst for righteousness, and they will be satisfied. See, as we come to faith, we taste and see that the Lord is good, don't we? For all of us, right? If you're a believer, you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, and, and there's a satisfaction that comes, right? We're fulfilling our purpose in life to know God and give Him glory, and as sin is brought to our attention, what do we do? We're broken over it. We turn from it with a desire to obey. And as we obey and conform to His image... We know him more and more. He reveals more of himself to us. At least we become more and more intimate as we confess our sin. And as Chris said, we keep short accounts and we turn from sin, turn from sin, turn from sin. Draw near to him, draw near to him. We become more like him and we become more intimate and more involved in the things of God. And what happens? We begin to be satisfied more and more and more. And we, we see this in James chapter 4, verse 8. He, he says, James says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. And that's what happens as we confess sin and turn from sin and we're drawing near to him. And what happened? He draws near to us and we become satisfied. And that doesn't mean that we don't have problems. That doesn't mean that we don't have problems. When I, when I say I, I became a believer and I began to be satisfied in God, that doesn't mean I have, didn't have trouble and struggles and I didn't sin. No, but I began to be satisfied. That, that empty hole 
began to be filled and I began to understand my purpose in life. But as you're drawing near the Lord and you're hungering and thirst after righteousness and He shows you your sin, you confess it and turn from it and you battle with it. And it's a paradox of sorts, isn't it? Because we say, we read this as those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they'll be satisfied. But it's kind of like that puppy child. I don't know if you like Christmas candy. I kind of like Christmas candy. And there's this stuff they call puppy child. I don't know the real name for it. It's a, a Chex mix, and you put it in chocolate, and then you, then you roll it around in powdered sugar. Isn't that puppy chow? Is what you call that? Well, people gave me some puppy chow where I had a bag of it, and I put it on my desk. It's, it's divine. It's incredible. It's like, I, don't, I ain't never done this hard drug stuff, but it's probably like that, in that like, you eat some of it in like two or three, four or five handfuls, and you're like, oh, that was good, and it's really sweet, and I don't know what, why the combination, it's really good. We need to, everybody needs to make that for Christmas, this Christmas season. But I eat it, and I really like it, but then after, you know, four or five mouthfuls, I'm okay. Satisfied. But then what happens? I get up and go do something, go to the office, and I come back, and I pass, and I see it again. So all of a sudden, I'm, I'm thinking what? I want some more of that. And so what I do, I get a couple more mindfuls. It's just so good. And then I'm okay until I, something happens and I look at it or whatever. You know, it's like you keep coming back to it. But that's the way it is with the Lord. Are we satisfied? Yeah. But it's like paradoxical. Because as you, you have sin revealed to you and you're confessing sin and turning from it and you're drawing near the Lord and trying to please the Lord and be like them. It's like this, you're satisfied, but then you have to, you have to keep coming back and come back. And that's what God's calling us to do is, is to, to be perpetually hungering and thirsting after him and obeying him and seeking to please him. Because when we do that, satisfaction's going to come. He's going to satisfy us. So the, the quote by, just by way of application, a couple of questions. Now, we need C batteries for that clock. We don't have C batteries. I can't tell what time it is, Bo. We've got to get C, C batteries so I can ch check the time. So if I run over today, it's, it's, it's Bo's fault. Um, I, can't see, I can't see the time. Um, look, by way of application, let me ask you a couple questions. Firstly, this. Can you say that you're satisfied? Spiritually satisfied. Have you tasted the living water Jesus offers? question from that question. How does God relate to you? God relates to everyone in this room one of two ways. He's either your Savior or He's your judge. Everybody in this room, man, woman, boy, girl, how, do you, how does God relate to you? Is He your Savior or is He your judge? And I ask that question, are you satisfied spiritually? Only those who says God relates to me as Savior can, can you be satisfied in Him. Only believers can have that satisfaction spiritually. 
Have you been declared righteous because of what Christ has done for you? And if you're not spiritually satisfied, if you haven't tasted the living waters, you, you can't start in verse 6. This progresses. You can't start in verse 6. You've got to go back to verse 3. Where it says, blessed are the poor in spirit. You've got to start back there. You've got to realize you're spiritually bankrupt. And not only that, you've got, like, you, you got to realize you have no hope. You're in a terrible situations with like the lady, the beggar that had no arms and no legs. Not only are you poor, but you have no way of helping yourself. You can't get yourself out of that spiritual situation. You're at enmity with God, condemned on a one-way road to hell. You have to see yourself there. Then you, have to, then you have to be broken over your sinful state. And you have to grieve and mourn and hate it. And if, if, if I'm talking to you, you, you're not satisfied. And you're like, okay, i got to go back to verse 3. I'm poor in spirit. I recognize I'm in a terrible situation. My prayer for you is that you're broken and God will, that godly sorrow will lead to repentance, that God will grant you that today. Because then that's when you're going to, the, the meekness and the, the hungering and thirst after righteousness will come. So just by way of application, that's the first application. If, you, if, if you're not being satisfied by God, if he relates to you as judge and not Savior, then you need to repent and trust Christ's work on the cross as your own. So I encourage you to do that. If you're a, a woman or a, a man or a, a child, a boy, a girl, you need, if you've yet to repent and trust Christ, you need to do that. I'll encourage you to do that. God wants you to do that. Repenting and believing is an act of obedience, and God wants you to obey Him today. Repent and believe and begin to be satisfied in Christ. Well, maybe you are a believer. You say, no, I've, I've repented and I've trusted Christ and I have tasted and, and, and experienced the goodness of God and he, he has begun to satisfy my soul and I realize my purpose in life. Well, let me ask you, are you hungering, perpetually hungering and thirsting for righteousness? And boy, this, this Sermon on the Mount has been really good for my soul. It's been really good. It's been challenging and a lot of confession and sitting before them. And maybe some of you, you're a believer and you say, but you know, there was a time when I had communion with God and it was really sweet and, and I was really sensitive to the Lord's discipline. And he would prick my heart and discipline me. And man, I would, I would keep short accounts and, and turn back to him in, in confession and repentance. And I welcomed the opportunity for self-sacrifice. And I look forward to sharing with others what God was teaching me. But maybe you're saying that is, you've had that experience. And if you're a believer, you've had that experience. But maybe you're, you're at a place where life's kind of gotten in the way. Has that happened to you? Are you at a point where you're content now with just knowing Christ? Yeah, I'm a believer, but, you know, I got this stuff going on. Or maybe when there's conviction of sin, it's met with this attitude. Well, you know, we all sin. 
None of of us are perfect. If you're if you're if you have that attitude, you're not hungering and thirsting after righteousness. See, these beatitudes, they're keys to the kingdom, but they're attitudes that ought to be as well. And what God is calling us through this sermon of Christ is to have this perpetual attitude of being perpetually poor in spirit, recognizing my I'm spiritually bankrupt without God, perpetually mourning and grieving over my sin, perpetually being meek, being yielded to the Lord, humble in my response to Him, humble in my response to others, and, and to have this perpetual desire to be like Jesus and obey Him and to please Him and experience God's pleasure. It's not a one-time deal and it come and go here, there, yonder, here, every now and again. It's a perpetual thing. That's what Jesus calls you. That's why this sermon is so intense and so difficult and wonderful at the same time. And Beth, God wants you to be hungering and thirsting for Him and for His glory and for righteousness perpetually all the time. We don't take vacations. We don't get a day off. Kind of heavy, yeah. Uh, a little heavy for us, a little heavy for me. But that's what God wants us to do. And though when we hunger and thirst, think about it, think about it. Believer, go back, go back to when your um go back to when you're you're satisfied in God, you've repented, you're you're trusting him, you're meek. And you're experiencing, living your purpose for life. You're experiencing life. You're looking for, you welcome opportunities to, to self-sacrifice. And you're just walking with the Lord. Think about that, those moments. Your better moments, right? Yeah, my better moments. In my better moments. Think about how satisfied you are. I mean, that's living life. I mean, those moments you're denying self and it's hard and you're fighting flesh, but whoo, your soul is satisfied. That's living life because that's the way it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be easy. Don't misunderstand satisfaction and, and, and easiness. But that's what God wants us to do. Hunger and thirst for righteousness, fight and sin, draw near to him, seeking to please him more than anything because that's the most important thing in the world to you that's where he wants us not just to be at one time or another he wants us to stay there and live there today when we leave and you go for lunch he wants us to live in that moment of lord i want to please you when i say something i uh, i knew i shouldn't man i was wrong i read read this week don't speak evil of anyone God, I said something bad about somebody or something that didn't make somebody look bad. That's wrong. Hey, I just said that. That's terrible. Don't listen to me. I'm an idiot. I'm sorry, Lord. Tonight, and you, maybe some of you have your study time at night, and you, hey, uh, I ain't gonna, I, yeah, I won't read tonight. And the Spirit of God does His thing. You're like, no, I, all right, here we go. Lord, I'm sorry. I'm lazy. 
living in the flesh. Lord, I help me to read and study. Help me to desire and help me to hear from you. Tomorrow, when you're at the, the office and you're supposed to be working and you're sending out Facebook messages that your pastor getting dings on his computer, you're like, you know, you repent from taking, robbing your boss of his money and go to work. Do Facebook some other time. When you're leaving to go to work and you're in the flesh and you say something harsh to your wife or to your husband and the Lord brings that to your attention. Send that text. Babe, I'm, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Confess it and repent and move on. That's where he wants us to live. And that's where he commands us to live. Hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Wanting to please him. Wanting to feel his pleasure. Wanting him to be glorified. That's where he, he wants us. That's when we're blessed, when we're satisfied. It's heavy. That's a heavy sermon today, I know, but that's where we are. So let's pray for each other as we live life this week. And that's what, that's what a church does, you know? And if you're visiting with us, I'll just tell you, church, like today, this really isn't church. You're coming to a church, but church is when you lock arms with one another and live life together and you help each other along. And that means sometimes giving a kick in the hiney or a firm rebuke or an attaboy. But let's, let's help each other this week. Let's pray for one another. Help us to understand what it means to hunger and thirst after righteousness. And let's just live that way. Live hungry lives, trying to please the Lord and not ourselves. Okay? Let's pray. Father, you're good to us, and we acknowledge that we're not good to you in, in so many ways. I acknowledge I'm not good to you. I don't. I haven't been living hungry lives, hungering for righteousness, hungering for your glory, hungering to obey you. And obeying you, Father, so many times is not the most important thing to me. And it should be. That's what you demand and command. And God, I want to be that person. I want to be satisfied in you. So help us. Help our church. Help us live hungry lives this week for those that are believers. Lord, Discipline us, and Lord, help us to respond rightly to it. Lord, if we need to confess sin to one another, if we need to ask forgiveness, if we need to make amends, if we need to overlook somebody else's shortcoming, Lord, help us to do that this week. Help us to love each other well. Help us to love you well. And Father, I recognize that, that there's some people maybe here, people watching this via Facebook, that they can't say that they're satisfied in you. They can't live verse 6 because they haven't lived verse 3, 4, 5 yet. Father, you relate to them as judge. Lord, if they died right now, they would live, any, they would have an eternal existence apart from you in hell. And Father, I pray that you'd be gracious to them. Father, no one deserves your mercy. No one deserves salvation. I pray that you would be gracious, merciful to the lost that are here today, that are, that are watching. Be gracious and save people right now for your glory. Father, may someone today say for the first time and experience for the first time satisfaction in Christ. Thank you for what you're doing through the teaching and, and singing of your word. Help us as we leave today. Help us leave and help us be the church. 
We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast if this message has been helpful to you. Again, if you have any questions, go to our website for our contact information, and we'll see you next time.